0: Good evening, everyone. My name is Reverend Leslie Dwight. I'm the Minister of Social Justice at Community of Hope AME Church, and we are here to welcome you to the very first edition of our Hope Activism Institute. I want to turn it over to our pastor, Reverend Tony Lee, to welcome us and to open us in prayer.
1: Look, I'm so excited uh, for all of us to be here, and I'm grateful for your sharing. We're finding ourselves at a very interesting time um, I, I, I think there's a speech that Dr. King gave that I, I love so much entitled, Where Do We Go From Here? Um, and, and that is literally what we could say today is where in the world do we go from here? Um, that if you look at it, um, it was enough just getting out of 2020. It was enough dealing with pandemic. It was enough dealing with protests. It was enough dealing with... A policy. It was enough dealing with crazy presidential politics. Um, it was enough dealing with that, uh, that. If we understand anything, we realize that the uh, the, the intersection of pandemic and protests and politics um, have highlighted and illustrated the vulnerabilities of our folks, uh, mm-hmm. highlighted where folks were uh, really challenged, highlighted disparities, whether they're health disparities, um, whether they're food disparities, whether they're um, economic disparities, um, the, the mental health disparities, um, job disparities, that, that whatever they are, it highlighted uh, the great disparities that were in this nation. Um, and so we needed to be able just off the rip to organize, strategize, mobilize our people. That's just in general, right? And then to start off 2021, we get an insurrection. And then to start off 2021, Um, Just for the juice of it, the president of the United States sets up a lynch mob and they hang gallows, They, they, they construct gallows in front of the U.S. Capitol and they act like it's 1812 after the Battle of Bladensburg and they come and they breach the Capitol with zip ties, like they're about to go in and snatch folks out and take them to the gallows. Um, that there's something wrong in this Mm -hmm. land. And and there were a couple of things that happened for us as black folks. Um, One, uh, we had to deal with um, the cognitive dissonance of realizing, man, if that was us that tried to break into the US Capitol, it would be a bloodbath that I'm talking about. They'd have had drone strikes, they'd have had helicopters, they'd have had tanks, they'd have had dogs, they'd have had horses, they'd have had mountain lions, they'd have had everything. Uh, trying to handle lessons so of when we had to deal with one, the cognitive dissonance of what it meant that grappling with this whole kind of a thing of how in the world are they able to do that. Uh, but that's what whiteness is. y'all. Uh, that's what white supremacy is. That's what it That's what white privilege at its most is white people can break into the Capitol and not be scared of police. We can't ride in the car and not be scared of police. White folks can break into the United States Capitol building with zip ties, talking about they looking for Congress people and senators so they can go and hang them on a gallows they got out front, and they can whoop police, they can beat on police, they can, they kill the, po- they can hit police with daggone fire hydrants, and, and, and people help them down the stairs when they're finished. Well, I mean, you all saw the stuff. It showed us that not uh, uh, people like, oh, this can't be America. that's always been America, and it, and it reiterated for us what and and so therefore people keep asking, well, what do we do now? We do what we've been doing. We do what we got to do because you got to remember that a uh, while um uh, while we witnessed that that day, uh, the day before uh, we witnessed a uh, Rafael Warnock. Um, a black brother out of the projects in Savannah, Georgia, become elected the first African-American senator uh, in the history of Georgia. Um, We witness history, but any time black folks move forward, uh, there's there's a reaction, uh, but but there's a white supremacist uh, kind of a reaction that has to, the, 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 there's a book called White Rage by Carol Anderson. And Carol Anderson, she talks about the fact that anytime Black folks move forward, white folks have this rage, but the rage is not just emotional, it's institutional. And there's an institution institutional attack that they do. And so I want you to be clear uh, that them folks weren't just screaming. Them folks were going institutionally at the heart of the United States government to go and snatch up Congress people and senators because institutionally they thought they they were like, no, we don't like the results of an election and we're going to shut all this stuff down because we're white and it's our house and we can go up in that joint anytime we want. And so I am excited because I thank God for our Minister of Social Justice, Reverend Leslie Dwight. Uh, I thank God, you can tell when a person is moving and what God has called them to move in because uh, they can be prepared for something, have already planned something before uh, God even shows why it's needed. Uh, This conversation was already planned. This uh, uh, episode and this first uh, session of the Hope Training Institute for 2021 was already set up to happen. Uh, but if there's ever a time we really, really needed it, it's right now. And so I'm grateful to God for uh, these two women of God who are gonna help us in conversation today. I'm grateful to God for Reverend Leslie and her leadership at Community of Hope AME Church. Uh, I'm the pastor, for those of y'all who don't know, I'm Reverend Tony, the pastor. And and, and her, as our, as our minister of social justice, um, I'm having her to lead this conversation that we will be having these courses and these classes weekly. Um, there will be different folks that she'll be having conversations with. um, And we're going to be having these weekly. We'll have all kinds of other stuff that's going to be happening as well. Uh, The beauty is that you'll be able to watch this weekly, or you can watch it whenever you want, uh, because uh, you can check us out on Roku. You can check us out um, on Fire TV. You can check us out on Apple TV, on any of those places. You'll be able to check this out and you'll be able to check it out at any time you want to. You can have a watch party for you and your friends. So look, y'all, I'm about to get out the way. I am about to let these sisters be able to chop it up and help us to understand where do we go from here? What are the tools? What are the techniques? What are the strategies we need in this season uh, to make sure that these folks... Now, last thing is this. We have a new administration coming in. And I know that it's been crazy time uh, since Trump has been in there. And I know a lot of us are going to be excited because we've got a new administration and you're going to want to go and chill out and act like it's nothing to do. you got to work harder than ever now. You, you have got to work harder than ever. I, I know you call him Uncle Joe, I, I get it. I know uh, that we're grateful to God for uh, Sister Kamala Harris. I, I know, I shouted, I, I worked hard to get him in. We worked hard to get them in, but we have to put their feet to the fire. Um, I know we're excited because uh, we got the House and the Senate, but we've got to put their feet to the fire because if we do not, then what will happen, there is an impulse there's an impulse of compromise in government. Compromise is this, that black folks get you into office, but then you talk about, we need to do things to be able to bring everybody together. And you spend all of your time making white people feel comfortable that you don't do anything of the issues that black folks fought to get up in there. And so therefore, uh, the the folks fight to get you up in there, but now it's like, oh, don't say defund the police. It's a little too radical, and we need to watch kind of our language because we want people to feel comfortable. Comfortability be damned this is the time that we have to do what we have to do to make sure that we get what we need and this is the conversation that shall help us uh, to be able to understand the practical things the science of it the tools of it uh, to be able uh, to organize and to strategize and to mobilize our people for such a time as this. I want to pray and then I'm going to turn it over and we're going to let these sisters do what they do. I'm grateful to God for you all. And I'm just grateful to God for your presence with us today. Let us pray. God, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We're grateful for this day. We're grateful for this moment. We're grateful for your hand. We're grateful for your power. Now, God, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would bless this time of conversation, this time of training. Let it be to your honor, to your glory. And I thank you, God, for what you shall do and how you shall move. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. amen god bless y'all i'm gonna dip out and they're gonna put it in bless y'all appreciate y'all thank
0: bless you, thank you, you pastor listen where do we go from here where do we go from here that'll preach didn't that already hey. <laughs> i say pass the
2: plate pass the plate to the pastor i mean i think he really set the tone for the conversation and so i'm super excited about that that we have some grounding and foundation and so i'm here to support you and give your um your listeners, the audience, uh, your your, your congregants, some real tools, real strategies that I know work. I've been in this industry for 20 years. So guess what? I'm just ready to be a steward of good information.
0: Absolutely. So let me tell y'all who we're talking to today. This is Sister Chanya Johnson, and she comes well-equipped to have this conversation with us today about faith-based advocacy. She holds a master's degree in public science, and she has been in the game doing advocacy work for decades. In 1999, she served in the US Congress and she handled key policy issues You name it, she did it. Whether it was healthcare, whether it was education, labor, immigration, and internal affairs, she covered it. She calls herself a fighter and a champion for ordinary citizens and organizations. And that is what qualifies her to be in this space today. And not just that, she is well sought after y'all. Let me tell you, she has appeared on Radio One. She has appeared on WHUR, The Daily Drum. She's been on DC Fox, and she's been in the Washington Post, just to name a few. So she is not somebody to be played with. She's also an author of The 5-Minute Advocate, and we'll get, we'll give you the plug to where you can find the information about that book as well. But come on, Shania, let's jump right on in today. We are going to start, and we are going to do a round of rapid fire. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, so this is how it works. When we do rapid fire, I'm going to yell out a, a word, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? All right, one word. One word. Okay, okay I'm going to give you one word. You tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, gotcha. Okay, here we go. Privilege.
2: White people. Protest. White people.
0: Pandemic. Nervous. Uh, President. Joe Biden. 2021.
2: It's the year of advocacy. Black women. Strong
0: and ambitious. Black family. United. That's all. That's our, that's That's our wrap around for today. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So that was a, that was a good warmup because those, the things that I kind of threw out there are the people that we care about. They're the issues that um, are, are a sign of the time, the times that we're living in. And most importantly, um, it, when we talked about 2021, you talked about um, the year of, there is, it holds so much possibility for what it can be and what it shall be when we're done equipping the people today. So let's jump right on in. Um, I wanna ground this conversation in a scripture that's found in Proverbs 31 verses eight through nine. And it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. That's Proverbs 31, eight through nine. So what is it that you think about or how would you describe um, faith-based advocacy?
2: So I, I think, um, in a, just in all um, full transparency, right now I am a lobbyist for Bread for the World, which is a collective Christian voice of organizations, um, pretty much churches, um, who and. Who are advocating um, on Capitol Hill, we're on Capitol Hill every day, or we're calling Capitol Hill every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on a weekend, to advocate to end hunger here in the U.S., to end poverty. And so for me, when I think about what it is we're called to do, and if we're going to live out the scriptures, I think it's all about acting. It's all about placing, um, placing in perspective what it is we want for everyday people, citizens here in the United States. And so for me, um, my life is all about advocacy. I used to tell people the story that I'm a safety net child. They're like, Chani, what is that? Why are you giving yourself a label? I said, because everybody like labels. But for me, I remember being a beneficiary of SNAP which is uh, food stamps. I remember being a benefit of welfare. I remember being a beneficiary of getting student loans or uh, grants to go to college. And so all of those programs are wrapped up in what we call safety net programs that Congress funds annually to make sure that people have access. And if it had not been for those safety net programs, I really don't know where I would be. And so I feel like it's my job 27 years later to continue to advocate for those programs. I know that there was people who advocated for those programs before I even came on the scene. They didn't just say, oh, we're doing this for Chanya." they didn't even know Chanya. But I feel a great sense to say, this is what I can do. And we talked about this a little bit early, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But I do know that advocacy is, is that link to you and your member of Congress or your elected official, no matter where they are, you have to be able to tell them and be the ambassador to tell them exactly what it is your community needs. Because nobody else is going before you to tell them. So how do you expect for them to know? You think they're going to know because they read the Washington Post or they saw something on social media. But it is your job to be that ambassador.
0: No, thank you for that. You know, one of the things that I often say, especially in these spaces, and especially when um, I'm talking to communities of faith, is that, you know, we are really good at doing acts of service right so we're really good at doing food drives and feeding the hungry and clothing the naked um mm-hmm. we're really good at what you know a lot of us call outreach but the fact of the matter is is that we are also charged with um overturning those systems those oppressive systems that keep our people uh bound right that keep them right. in a system of poverty and so today i'm really excited to have this conversation because i just believe that we are equipping states, we're raising up uh, a whole generation of people, a whole congregation of people who are getting ready to overturn oppressive systems. We're getting ready to raise up people who are getting ready to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. Yeah. Um, and so let's let's dive deeper into the conversation, shall we? Yes. So we where do we go from here? You know, many of us last week um, sat in disbelief as we watched uh, the Capitol Hill Capitol Hill being taken over by what you know the media is calling domestic terrorists um and so I guess I wanna stay in that lens for a second because where do we go from here is still a very relevant question. I mean, the reality of the situation is that we're watching the news and people are contemplating um, punishment for what happened. But the truth of the matter is, is that we still have work to do concerning our community. And so let's, let before we even get into like why advocacy, can we talk about who the advocate is like, and especially in a situation like this, in a climate like this, who's, who's fit to be an advocate? Okay, good, good question.
2: And I get that all the time. No, not me. Yes. You, 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 all of you, everyone, anyone can be an advocate from a two year old asking a parent how and why mommy, can I have ice cream? And your mommy says, uh, no, after lunch, the, the child comes back and say, mommy, can I have the ice cream? Now you're advocating that two year old is advocating. So anyone can be an advocate. It is being very, um, I would say focus about what you're gonna advocate for. So any one of us are considered an advocate because we ask questions. I also give an example when I do trainings, I say, how many of you guys have cell phone bills? How many of you look at your cell phone bill and you say, wait, 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 hold up. Why is they, why are they charging me an extra five cent here, 10 cent there, 295 here? Well, the thing is, is that initial reaction is you're asking the question. And so that's what advocates do. Advocates ask the question about why is something the way it is. It is how, why, when, the basic things. And we take it for granted. But the thing is, is, that is how, let's say the big boys, the lobbyists and everybody, they go to Congress and they ask Congress or the elected officials, why, how, when can we get this? When should we do this? So it's really about any one of us can be an advocate. And so I advocate for all of us taking up the helm of being advocates, because guess what? We all are voters. Mm-hmm. We all show up. On November whatever and we vote so guess what what are you going to do after that and that's where the key is the key is in advocacy following up on the issues that they said that they were going to do and the things you want for your community and so to answer your question any one of us can be an advocate I have young people who are like third and fourth grade who are advocating for uh let's say um clean street projects environmental issues they're young advocates. No, they don't have the right to vote yet, but guess what they're saying? I want my community clean. So on Saturday mornings, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go pick up trash. That's a young advocate in the making. And so you can be an advocate in whatever area you decide to be. And so that's what I tell people, pick an issue, something that you're passionate about. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about this uh, in a collective of what the, the church can do to be more um, proactive in the process and not reactive to what we just saw. So how are we going to look at the issues that are coming down the pipe and develop a plan and a strategy so that our congregants are writing letters, calling their members members of Congress and or state representative to let them know these are the issues that are deeply impacting my community and I
0: want you to do something about them. So I think that's great because we have pastors that are probably watching and the fact of the matter is is that no matter how big or how small your church is you can have you can raise up advocates within your congregation. We have our our community that's watching our church members. Anybody can be an advocate. What you basically said is no matter how old they are, they can be an advocate. If they have a mouth a mouth and the ability to communicate you can be an advocate. And so, right. so now let's just dive right in, right? Can we, can we just cut all the other stuff out? And, and now I always want you to tell me how. How, so how can I, I be an advocate? So the first
2: thing is, and if you don't mind, um, I'm just going to go with organizations because I think that, you know, the organizations or churches need to understand this. And I do attend the church, um, Clifton Park Baptist Church. So hello to my pastor, Essentino Lewis. Um, but I will say this, we have a food pantry. So one of the issues that they definitely advocate for and are true proponents of is ending hunger. So they have a food pantry. So they're making sure that they're giving back to the community and things like that. Someone is going out there asking for additional resources for that community. I would say for your church, your church needs to pick an issue. Now, how many issues, Chanya? People are like, oh, my God, we got to do this, this, and this. What is what, look you do a survey of your congregants? What are they compare uh, what are they concerned about in your community? Is it homelessness? Is it uh, trafficking? Um, you know, is it hunger? Is it uh, unemployment benefits? Is it wealth economic development? What is that issue? So first decide what issue you're gonna champion. I tell people a confused mind, do not buy, so don't be picking all them issues, like because people are gonna be like, I don't know about all that. Pick one or two issues, and that is what you begin to champion. So first, the church needs to pick an issue that they're going to lie before. And, well, let me say advocate because they're not getting paid. So there's a difference. What you're going to advocate for, when you decide what that issue is, you then develop an advocacy action plan. And guess what? People are like, oh, my God, does it have to be like a marketing plan, a business plan? No, it does not have to be. It, you, you, you can use a one pager and I have templates of it. When I train folks, I show them how to just create a basic plan. And it's not that simple. We're going to do this. Our goal is to end hunger in our community. So then you get people to, to the table who really are passionate about the issue, a good five to six people. And then they start disseminating, disseminating the information without throughout the church. Once you do that and you develop the action plan, the people who are on that committee are going to create messaging. That is very simple. I mean, one-liners, two-liners. Like, that's it. Why we need it, who we serve, who it's going to impact. That's it. And that is what you beat the horse with all day long. You call them, then you decide once a month, uh, we're going to have advocacy Mondays or advocacy Fridays or Congress is in session on Wednesday, so we're going to have advocacy Wednesday. We're going to be calling elected officials all across the state of Maryland to let them know what it is we're concerned about. You know how powerful that will be. They get in the phone like, oh, Community of Hope calling about what? OK, they they tallying it up. Let them get over. I would say it, it's a small number, which is sad. But they get more than 10 calls, and they think ever the world had caved in, <laughs> really, because they don't get a lot of calls, particularly from our community. And I'm just being real honest. I worked on Capitol Hill from 1999 till this year, 2020, well, Uh, for Joyce Beatty, now chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. And when I tell you we don't engage enough, we will come to the parties, we will, you know, and some of us will do the marches on Washington, nothing's wrong with that. But the key is in a follow-up. You came to Washington, yes, you look cute with your little hat on and your letters and all that other stuff, but did you follow up? Did you follow up and say, hey, when we were there in March and this is what we were advocating for, the key is in a follow-up. And you got to keep following up and holding them accountable. And that's why members sometimes lose their way. Because we are not the wind at their back, pushing them to say, this is what our community wants. And so let me just go through those again. Develop, de- identify what the top three issues are going to be for your community that you're going to advocate for. When you identify them, then you want to definitely develop an advocacy plan and it doesn't have to be a business plan. But can we stop plan. right
0: there for a second? Because yeah. I want to I do a deeper dive on kind of what you're talking about. So you, you said develop your um, your top issues, whether it's one issue, whether it's three issues, we got to identify them. And so you talked about um, doing a poll of your congregation, but you also talk about doing your research research. Uh, yeah. And I want to talk about for those that may not know like what that looks like, what does doing our research mean? What kind of things should we be looking for when we pick up a topic? So this is what I would say the US Census Bureau has have
2: a website and they have ACS, which I don't want to go too deep, but it's something called fact finders. Um, So I use that as my source. If I wanted to look at a zip code in the state of Maryland, I would go to the American Fact Finder and look at the demographics of that community. So you can say I'm going to do all of Prince George's County, you can do it based on county, and then you can see what are the needs in that community. It's going to tell you who's married, who's living below poverty. Um, You're going to get a lot of different variables and indicators that will allow you to be able to assess What are the needs of this community? Now, some people might be like, hey, my my community on and popping, and we're all small business. Well, you should be advocating for additional small business dollars. It, It doesn't have to be anything for, let's say, the vulnerable population. It just depends on what your community needs. There are churches who consider themselves economic development. They have CDCs, and so they're on a whole nother track. And maybe they're not, They. I'm not going to say they're not servicing their community, but their priorities or what they want to focus on is economic development and small business development within that community. Then you have my church that is focused on probably a number of issues, but one that I'm intimate, intimately involved in and know about is the food pantry. And so you look at, you we're in Silver Spring. What does this community look like? What are the needs? banks are exhausting all of their resources pantries or so we know that there's a need we know that when you go down certain streets you see homelessness or you see uh trash or something like that you can assume that oh well if this is you know, in this community, this is probably an area that they need assistance with. And so it's being keenly aware of what that community needs by doing some basic research through the American Fact Finder, through the census.gov website, and then to having meetings with your elected officials. They should have it at their fingertips. And they should be sprinkling it on every church, like, this is the demographics, this is what's going on in your community, and this is where I need you. Part of that, too, is building that relationship. And I know um, Reverend Tony is very actively involved. So he probably have everybody in his Rolodex in terms of members of Congress and elected officials here in the state of America, because I've seen him move over the last 20 years. But what I would say is scheduling meetings with those elected officials say, I need five to 10 minutes for you to come on and talk to us about what are the pressing issues. If you're an elected official, you should know what, what the pressing need is. And you can take less than two minutes to tell me what it is. Otherwise, you don't need to be in office because you should know what that community needs. And so the doing a deep dive is very simple. I offer my services to do some of that for some people or whatever the case may be, but you and I have a conversation. I'll show you how to do it. Like so, just go in and look and see what the demographics look like and
0: what people need. And and I, I also want to, there's something that you, that you say in your book and I don't want to, um, over i want i don't want to overlook it but you talk about how you marry you know the data um, or your research because it may not always be data with your lived experiences with your personal stories and i think for so many of us particularly in our black community um our lived experiences come first and the data comes later right because nobody's measuring and nobody's talking about what it is that we're going through so i don't want our audience to overlook or over um or or just kind of bypass the fact that sometimes it's just the testimony and your witness for what you're seeing and what you're experiencing in your community and that's enough to be able to to lift that up in front of your elected officials do you want to add anything to that yeah let me add this and this is what i say don't go around
2: picking issues that you don't really care about if you don't care about the tech world don't do it right find an issue and this is for individual advocacy find an issue that speaks to you When I began to speak and train, um, one of my coaches said, what can you stand on the top of the U.S. Capitol and talk about all day long? I say advocacy, because guess what? I'm going to speak up for Chani. If I don't speak up for nobody else, the other thing, too, is I got the middle child syndrome. So I always feel like I'm either going to be blamed or have to give an explanation for something. So that sits well with me in saying this is who I am. This is what I represent. So I think people have to understand what are you most passionate about? Figure out what are you passionate about and then align yourself with organizations and coalitions who are championing those issues. There is no way you should have a a NAACP who champion hundreds of issues and you're not engaged somewhere. National Action Network. Figure out where you think you should be and you align yourself and you, you, you know, dedicate or donate your talents to that cause. So you don't always have to be on the front line, you know, let's say making, um, Writing letters, you can make phone calls. You don't have to be the one that go to Washington and march on Washington. You just need to figure out what am I most concerned about. When I one of the times when I started back in twenty ten talked about
0: coalition building, and you talked about aligning yourselves with organizations that are already doing the work. Yes, and I think that that is key um, because whether it is a civil rights organization, whether it's a community of faith who is always who has already been engaged in this work, whether it is your school board um, or your or your community, like your PTA or your civic association, um, there are groups of people that are likely taking up a cause or have taken up a cause that you um, care passionately about. And I, I thought that that was important to elevate that um, issue because as you talked about doing your research, knowing who's who's in the fight is part of your research. Yeah, yes, because yes. you don't live. have
2: to recreate the wheel. Yeah. like We'd be running around, I'm like, there's nothing new under the sun. So if I said what Pastor Tony said, oh, well, it's nothing new. Where do we go from here? So if I begin to use that, the thing is, this, the, I'm asking the question, where do we go from here? And so people really have to find a way to align themselves with organizations who are doing the work, who are committed to people. You and I just talked about the difference between politicians, politics, and through your Facebook, Facebook, your Twitter. You can pick up your good old cell phone. You can call a member of Congress. It's all right at our fingertips. We don't even have to get on no bus or no cab, no car, and Uber to the Capitol now we can go right to our social media
0: and or to our tech. So that sounds like a good place for us to dovetail into the next part that you talked about in terms of developing this um, plan of engagement, right? And so you talked about basically the communication strategy and I wanna dig in there because what you started to go into was, you know, how do you use your platform to um, elevate your message? how do you how do you create awareness around it how do you use it to engage your local um and your state and your federal officials what look can we take a deeper dive where do i start so where do you start in terms of the
2: the communication piece yes okay so in terms of communication piece it is about your top leader leadership because you can't just go out there and be saying any old thing however (laughs) you want to have those key people at the table to say what what First of all, what's the issue? What are we advocating for? What do we want our congregants to, to do? Uh, let's say February 14th. I mean, that's Valentine's Day. Why am I thinking about Valentine's Okay, no problem. <laughs> Listen, so on February the 14th, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a call of action. And our call of action is XYZ. But before that happens, a group of you got to get together and create what we call a social media toolkit with hashtags and all of that. But the messaging is what is it you want to say? What is that one issue you're going to be advocating for? So you're going to identify that one issue first. And once you identify the one issue, I always tell people five to 10 talking points. What is it about? Who it impacts? You know, how long have this been going on? Give us some historical context and then Once you identify all of those different layers to it, you then say, "Okay, on this day, you do the who, what, when, where. Who's going to participate? It's going to be all the community of hope that's going to participate on this call of action. And once you do that, then you say, this is what you're going to be saying. If you don't want to call because you don't want them to hear your voice, you can then copy and paste and put it into Facebook and put a hashtag, whatever, see community of hope, hashtag 2021 activism. I don't know. You create that. But all of that communication piece is you telling them what you want want them to say, really, so that people don't go off message. I tell people, keep it simple, clear, and concise.
1: Yes. Kids,
2: keep it simple. And there used to be another S, but then I took it off. <laughs> but keep it simple and keep it clear and concise. When you have all of this other stuff going on, then people cannot really, they, they, they go off on a tangent. The other thing, too, is what you can do is look within your congregation and say, how many of you are within the congregation, and not everybody want to know, but you guys may have a benevolence fund or somebody that y'all gave assistance to to help pay their rent over the last six months or help pay the light bill or someone that will be willing to tell their story. And so stories, sell, facts, tell. Stories, sell, facts, tell. So who in the congregation can share their story and say, you know what, because of COVID, unfortunately, I became unemployed but I came to the church and I was able to get XYZ assistance and or they pointed me to another social service based organization that was able to assist me. This helped me and my family. We were able to avoid being homeless or, you know, for the six months. And so I'm very thankful for that. So I would encourage Congress to pass legislation that will put a moratorium on evictions. Mm-hmm. I would encourage, you know, you you, you get the, the talking points, you know, once you massage them. But the thing is, is at the end of the day, I want to encourage Congress to do XYZ. I want to encourage the state of Maryland legislators to do, you know, so you just set it up and that's all they're going to say. They're going to share their story, how they were deeply impacted by the pandemic. And then after being impacted, they went to their church and or social service based organization that rendered aid to them and their family and because of that they did not find themselves homeless or uh standing in a um, food stamp line because they were able to get re- assistance and or because a ministry helped them get a job because they connected them to someone that was able to assist them in employment i mean there's a number of examples that i've heard about um, through various ministries of how they've been able to help and so the story tells The story does tell, it sells to members because now they have a story that registers with them and they can say, we have constituents who are dealing with it. This is not the only one and not all of the people who are on our roles are gonna be able to tell their story. But you find those stories that will align
0: with what it is you're fighting for and then that's pretty much it can we talk that was really good um, because as you were talking one of the things that I started thinking about was just some of the messaging that I've heard in my last lifetime that have been affiliated with people trying to make change and so um, I think everybody may have heard of stop the silence right which yeah. is, which is usually associated with uh, advocacy around domestic violence um, I remember a kid as a kid you know growing up uh, another uh, slogan was um, don't drink and drive right so yeah. you know there's just the catchy um, kind of phrasing that kind of helps bring awareness and attention to right. your issue but I want to um, take a take this conversation about communication a little bit deeper because you know social media is fine you know writing letters um, to your congressional leaders or to your elected officials is fine but there's another piece that I think is really important um, for us to to talk about and it kind of dovetails into what you were talking about in terms of the power of storytelling and I think. Mm-hmm. It, that piece comes in where we begin to talk about testifying. Can you talk about that piece? Like what role that plays in your advocacy? So if 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 um people are very familiar,
2: if you listen to any elected official story, they reshare someone else's story because it's not their own. It's what I heard. My constituents said you know, that's just how they do. It. Hey, I want I come to the floor today to talk about my constituents who have experienced X, Y, Z. They tell stories. They need stories to survive. If you don't have constituents coming to you to tell your story, what you doing? You're not representing the people. So you need stories, especially when they're advocating for safety net programs. When they go to the floor into the well of the house, and I keep talking about Congress because that's where I've been all my life, pretty much. Um, but any state capitol, people they go and if you go and you just do a quick search of when someone went to the floor to advocate for additional funding for anything it is they share a story as to why it's needed they're not just saying we just need it because we want to save millions of america nope they're going to say johnny hathaway whoever Or such and such when you think about when the presidents do the state of the union address they tell stories they say looking up you know up in the the galley you have xyz who are here with us today who served honorably in our military and we want to honor him and you know and they tell the story again stories sell facts tell and the thing is is in most times that story can be reused so that they can get the point across as to why they need the resources. And so um, I think equipping your congregants with, one, the confidence, because everybody can't do this. I'm an extra, extra, extrovert, right? So I can just go and talk and tell my story and say, yeah, I grew up on welfare, not what? But look at God. what God did, what he did. So I can tell that story too, right? So the thing is, is you have to find people. And it doesn't even have to be uh, type A personality people, extroverts. I've, I've sat across, and I share this with people. Oh, where's my binder? Oh, here it is. I, uh, my last year in Beatty's office, this binder right here, this is over 1,000 meetings that I had, and I've met whatever kind of advocate known the man, like seriously, some of them come in there crying, sweating, beads, and they all nervous, and I said, what you nervous for? I woke up just like you. I got on the same clothes you do. I am, you know, and when the member come in here, don't be all nervous and scared. You voted for them. Like, so why would you now be afraid to talk about what your issues are? And so it's a lot of helping build their confidence up to let them know, it's just like, oh, we about to testify. Figure out how to tell a testify testimony in one to two minutes and let it rip, and like, then we pull back.
0: people so, know how to give a testimony. Exactly,
2: <laughs> say, I come before the Lord, Jesus, and everybody else. I learned that from my mama. I'll tell you that story later about how my mom testified. Girl, that was a mess, but okay.
0: Well, the one, one of the things that I just, I would um, wanna say is that, you know, around that testifying piece, I think you're right. I think that that, the, the power that comes with the testimony with the real life experience you talked earlier about you know doing your research so yes you can get the facts and figures but there's power and putting a face to the issue and I think that um, you know it's really important that especially as, as a community of faith that we put faces to the issues to the policies that are on paper to the facts and st- statistics that people are studying right um, and, and I think one of the things that would be helpful for people to know is that when you go to testify um you usually don't have a whole lot of time right three minutes three minutes maybe that's long yeah yeah
2: well i know like generally it's three minutes it may have cut it down um but generally it's no more than three minutes
0: yeah when i was um doing something for i think local government for county government you have two Um, Okay, unless you have unless you have special privileges, then they may give you up to five. Um, But I was doing something on a listening session where they only gave you 90 seconds. So can you talk to us about an elevator speech?
2: Yeah, so what I what I always tell people is sometimes you got to leave the pellet pleasantries out. You ain't you're not gonna be able to mention that you with so-and-so church. So if you have, I have a head or something that represents the community, that let that be the signal. All of y'all dress alike when you go to testify because they'll say, oh, who's that group with? You're not gonna be happy, you don't wanna use your time saying, oh, I'm with so-and-so, Chanya, full of faith, community, organization. No, listen, get to the point. So um, part of that would be um, just understanding why you're there so you can just say, I mean, very easily, one of my speeches I give folks and I say, I'm Chanya Johnson, America's five minute advocate. I help people get in, get out and get results when dealing with government, right? So when I say that, that's it. I don't say anything else that can come in. And so you want to understand who you are, what you represent and why you're there. That's it. So if you can say that like, hey, I'm Chanya Johnson, I was impacted by COVID in the 20, 20- well, COVID-19, that's what it's called, COVID-19. Um, and I, w- I want Congress to pass a bill and give families food before the holidays. That was one of my talking points. I did a whole campaign, Congress give the gift of food. And so I went online and probably did a couple of videos that were like a minute long. And I just say my, my goal today is to ask Congress to give the gift of food. Two minute families are struggling. Too many families are finding themselves hungry. Pantries don't have enough resources. And so you keep it very succinct to what it is you want to talk about. You can't go off about the baby shower and what's happening in the community about the lights being out
0: and the trash on the street. You just don't have that kind of time. So stick to the issue. All right. I want to focus on this one last piece around communication, and then we can, you know, move on. Um, so we talked about testimonies, we talked about, you know, writing our elected officials, but there is one piece that we haven't touched, and I think that's the power of the press. So when we talk about the power of the press, there are things like holding press conferences. Yes. There are things like writing letters to the editor. How can we utilize those as tools that will help us increase our advocacy? So those are, those are essential tools. and not, not many churches are very social
2: action you know, oriented and don't understand the power of media. Um, when we think about the media, sometimes we think about, oh, what they wrote. Um, There's always an opportunity to provide a rebuttal, but we don't do it. And so why we don't do it, I have no idea, but I'm going to tell you this, the other people do it. Okay. Okay. So we need to develop an army of people who say, I'm going to write a letter, a response, letter to the editor. When you see something in the paper and you have concerns about it, you see that they have cut funding for you know, public education and now they want to build a stadium, you're like, wait, hold up. I, you know, I used to be like, just write a letter. And I don't do a whole lot of letter writing. But I'd be like, why? Just tell me why. Are not our children worth much more than a football stadium? Would not our students benefit more from the additional you know thousand millions of dollars for books and other facilities like why and that's it and i'll leave it at that like you don't have to be long drawn out but i'm just asking the question why and so some of that has to deal with people level of comfort but i think you know you, you develop and say we can be the we're going to be the ministry that write letters to the editor they're going to get them picked up at some point and now the, the editorial board and the newspaper have the discretion about what it is they want to use. But that's why Twitter is important and social media. And so you blast it out, and you t- retweet their butts and add them on it. And then in some way, you would think they could be responsive. And if I could have one point of personal privilege, just to tell you what happened to me just today. But there are ways in which you can still activate the, um, the activists and the advocate in your members by posting, and they should not back down. They should still post them and make them aware of what the issues are because otherwise nobody will know that they're going on so i left my little comment
0: there i maybe changed it a little bit but i was like i saw this as an opportunity so i want to you know end where we began because we talked about advocacy we talked about the relevance of the time but what you just talked about was the commitment to the issue, um, and and in and in talking about the commitment to the issue, you talked about the why, and I think that in the very beginning, if you don't understand the why, it's going to be hard to withstand the the knocks that um, are going to come your way when you begin to advocate for something. Um, I want we as in as much as we kind of laid out some of the tools for people to have today. Can we just have a real conversation about opposition and what people can expect when they plan to advocate and how they can um, endure? Um, um, some of the tactics that will be deployed their way when they're going to advocate for an issue?
2: Well, here's the thing. I mean, we're a community of faith, so we call ourselves big, bad, and bold. So we need to be big, bad, and bold. um, And know that God goes before us and he covers us in every area in which he's called us to do. And so I would say I mean, some of it you're not going to be able to, you can withstand it, but you're going to face it regardless. Because people are going to say, why are you advocating for that? Or the people don't need this or they don't need that. But that's why it's even more important to talk about the commitment. I, one of the, the quotes I always say, and people are like, oh my God, Chani, you're going there. I say, listen, advocacy and voting is not a one night stand. Mm-hmm. It is courtship. It is a relationship between you and your elected official. And so what other people are saying about what it is you're doing, it had nothing to do with them. It's you and that elected official because you have in mind what it is you want. You want changes in your community. And so that's who you focus on. Now, if the comment come back like my that elect, but well, he not my elected official. Now I, I could be like, really? So when I see him, I'm like, I'm like, it's like, like really. So I already know there are gonna be some excuses or whatever, but I'm like, this is why people don't feel compelled to write you guys, because you shot back with that, as opposed to saying, so what's going on and how I can be assistant As you a public service, right? Servant. So you're going to get that, but you have to stay diligent. You, you know, just like with any relationship, you're building, you're getting to know them, you're learning about the issues, you're going through their website and see what they say they're going to champion for. You're looking at the pamphlet that they left 10 at your house before the election, right? And you say, I want to hold you accountable to this. How can we work together to get these things done for this community? You said it. What do we need to do? Do we need to be on the front line? Do we need to be calling your colleagues to let them know? So you can just turn that thing around. But remember, when the commitment is not between you and the world, it's between you and your elected official. And so that's how you stay the course and you don't, you put your blinders on those racehorse blinders and you just stay focused. I'm working with this elected official to get this done. And that's it. And what other people are saying about how we don't need it or we do need it, you know, they may be allies and they may join the coalition, but the ones that are naysayers who don't see hope in the process, you can't really deal with them
0: during the process. That's just, you just can't. Absolutely. So I want to um, just pivot a little bit. And, and as we close this thing out, do you have a feel-good story, a success story? So we talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, we've talked and we've given people the tools for how to, you know, engage in this fight. Can we give somebody something memorable to hold on to so that when they begin to uh, do this work, this advocacy work, that they have some, something to hold on to, to to fuel their faith as they move forward? Well,
2: I mean, whoo now, you know, I should have those advocacy wins right here. But what I will say, this, say is this. Just this past Congress, you know that we were on the front line fighting for a snap benefit increase of 15%. We got it. We were fighting for unemployment benefit extension. Even though it was a day late, we got it. Um, all of the other things and safety net programs that are out here, we can access to those programs. We got those resources. So for me, it's, you know I look at it as collective wins. What are people getting and how are their lives being made better because of the advocacy that millions, or I should say thousands of us are doing in our nation's capital and around the world. So there's not one, um, one that I always hang my hat on. Um, I've been in this game advocating for a lot of different things, over the years, I've advocated for youth leadership development programs. And so I could say that that was a win for 10 years. I was able to um, to coalition build with members of Congress, the likes of John Lewis and Elijah Cummins and uh, Jackson Lee and a whole lot sort of others to put on a program where we brought young people to our nation's capital to talk about what it is, this nation's capital, what, what is in this capital, this dome thing. Right? What what are they doing here? How are they impacting change? And how you can be involved in that process? So there's been many wins for me along the way. But most of the ones that I'm most proud of is when I'm able to be able to advocate and then train the next generation and or this generation on how to effectively do it. Because guess what? I see every day other people doing it and they're getting their piece of the pie. And we're sitting back wondering why. Why we don't have what it is we should have is because not enough of us are on the front line advocating for it that's why we don't have it we're not asking for it we're not holding them accountable left and right you know and 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 it's part of that but we gotta you know get in there and continue to work with our allies work with those members of congress and elected officials who understand the plight of let's say black people what are they going through do you know why we we're here i mean sometimes i start meetings out with purpose i'm like this is the purpose and this is the plan and that's it And then I go through, this is why we're here. I don't want to sugarcoat anything, but millions of Americans are suffering.
0: And I want to do something about it. Absolutely. So look, we didn't even get a chance to touch the surface of all the strategies, but I think we gave people a good starting point today. Why don't you tell them where they can find your book? Tell them the name of it and where they can find it.
2: So um, the name of the book, this one is Access Granted, Five Minute Advocate. And I feel like, because this is what it is, Access is automatically granted to you by the United States Constitution. And if you saw what happened on Wednesday, and and I don't know if this needs to be Evergreen, if you saw what happened, those folks had felt like they had a right to go to the people's house. It was their house. Access is just, just the same, but not in that way. Access is automatically granted to you based on the United States con- Constitution. And so I encourage people to learn how to effectively advocate in five minutes. When you call an elected official, it's going to take less than five minutes because they don't want to be on the phone with you that long. When you testify, as Sister Leslie said, they're giving you two minutes now. Back in the day, they used to give you three. You know, And if you sit down and write a letter, which is the top three ways in which I encourage people to advocate, write a letter. It shouldn't take you no more than five minutes. And if it does, then you solicit the help of somebody else. But there's so many different templates out there that you can go ahead and just copy and paste and put your issue in there, put your story in there, and voila, it's done. And so those are the things that I encourage people to do and why I believe this book is you know, very important for folks. But it's Access Granted to 5-Minute Advocate, how to get in, get out, and get results. And you can do this over and over and put it on repeat. Just every month figure out what issue you are writing about. But guess what? Show them the cover, Shania. Oh, yeah, but guess what? When you do this, it's not a one-night stand. You can't just do it one time and be like, oh, I'm done. you got to follow up. Think about when you, you know, I use this dating reference because maybe I'm in the season of dating, so forgive me. But when you meet somebody, you give them your number, you're following up. You're going to call a person. That is the same way advocacy You got to follow up. The key is in a follow up over and over and over again. You reach out to them. Hey, have your member done something on the issue? Oh no, give us two weeks. So you put it on the little tickler system. So I need to call my elected official in the next two weeks or the next three weeks. You have to be engaged and you know, engaged in the process. It is just not a one night where it's going to be, voila, over with. No, you got to be in it to win it. But if you get in and get up, get in and get res- get in and get out, you can get the results that you desire for your community. But you got to stick to a plan and a program.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the time that you have spent with us this evening. I pray that the information that you have um, provided for us and for our viewers today um, is life-changing in, in such a way that it'll make a difference and it'll transform lives, form lives all over, not just this county, but the state and this nation. So thank you so much, Chanya, for the time that you've spent with us today. Thank you for joining us this evening. It's our hope that the information that was provided in this session was indeed helpful in equipping you and empowering you to raise your voice and make a difference in your community for more information on the details provided in this session please visit www.hiphopnation.com. in the meantime we look forward to seeing you here next thursday at 7 p.m as we continue the conversation on where do we go from here we'll focus on community organizing and building your power and your network to make a difference see you then bye